0: And welcome to Property Done Properly, the show that explains all aspects of the built environment. I am Ian Rogers, and thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe, like, follow and share this as much as possible so I can spread the word as widely as I possibly can. At the end of the day, when property is done properly, everybody wins. Hello there. My name's Ian Rogers and welcome to Property Done Properly. Um, I'm going to have an introductory episode to what this is all about um, and then I will go into the next five um, episodes will be a series about um, what I call my five pillars to a a successful project. So let's get on with uh, the introductions and um, take it from there. Thank you. So what I want to talk talk about today is um, a brief introduction about myself about this series, about the overview of um, the built environment as I see it, the um, whole life cycle and facilities management and how that all integrates um, into the design process, um, an introduction to the five pillars of project success, which from my perspective are process, team, commercial, um, community, design, and then I think there's an important foundation which we'll come on to later in terms of mind and well-being. So about myself, I'm a chartered quantity surveyor uh, and project manager with some 40 years' experience. Um, I've worked on construction projects probably worth a total value of about 200 million. I've worked on facilities management contracts with a combined annual turnover of some 850 million dollars, and I've worked on private finance initiative public uh, private-public uh, partnership type, PPP-style projects with a combined capital value of about $5.5 billion. Um, so you can see I've had a wide range of experience in terms of type of work and um, type of projects and literally the ability to look at the whole life cycle of a project. I'll just quickly go through my story, if you like. Um, I was actually born into construction. My father had a small um, local building company with about 50 to 60 employees, um, predominantly doing small-scale work, um, redecoration, house extensions, bespoke joinery, all of that sort of thing, with a lot of very, very high-caliber craftsmen, from bricklayers to carpenters to painters to joiners and all that sort of thing. So from a very young age, I was in and around that environment of um, seeing construction going on, how it was built, um, watching uh, very intricate winding oak staircases being built on the in the joinery shop, being on site probably from a young age, which you couldn't do these days of 12, 13 labouring, watching the craftsmen work. So as I say, it was born into my blood um, in terms of the whole construction industry um I, I worked with my father when I left school for for a short while um helping him run the business till he retired um then i went to college um to university and got a degree in quantity surveying during that year i spent a year uh, during during that degree i spent a year doing um training in a in a, a professional quantity surveying offices doing take off and producing bills of quantities and all that sort of thing. Um, After I finished my degree, I went into working for construction firms because I felt for me personally that was more my uh, calling rather than being in a PQS office. Um, So I I worked on a number of construction projects from um, a major extension to a college was was my first project to a leisure centre with swimming pool and various other facilities. Um, then I moved on to another massive college um, project, um, which I have no idea what the value is now, but in the time it was about a six million project, probably worth 20, 30 million sterling nowadays, so quite a substantial project. Um, so I was 18 months, two years out of college, and I was at, let loose on this contract as the project surveyor uh, running all the quantity surveying on, on that particular project. So that was a bit of a a baptism of fire. Um, I turned that original contract value of of 5.8 million to a final account of 8 million. And I raised the profit margin on that from 4% to 6%. So it was a very, very successful project for me personally and for the company I was working with. I then moved into another major uh, construction project in the City of London. where 10% of the contract value was in the prelims because it was a lot of temporary works um from sheet piling to piling to um underpinning to dewatering to all sorts of things uh, which was a very very interesting and challenging project um i i then progressed into another company working on a couple of projects where we we actually did a what's called a top down construction so we were Two to three storeys down in the basement and they still excavating the basement and we were up on the fifth floor of the main superstructure so we were going up and down at the same time which is a mind-blowing experience um, that was a construction management type contract and we had a number of issues on that project um, including um, one of the major contractors going bust and um, a client then going bust but we managed to rescue that and get the build- building built um, with only a few weeks' delay and still relatively on budget um so that was a major success um so I cut my teeth on a number of different types of projects I was also parachuted in to sort out disputes on other other commercial projects uh, because I'd got a reputation for being able to get into the detail and, and finding out what was really going on. Um, I then moved into facilities management uh with the company I was in with we one of the state 's management contract, and I got pulled in to to look at setting that up from a commercial perspective really enjoyed that type of work because I saw the benefits of long term relationships with clients rather than the usual um, in and out of construction projects and not necessarily having long term relationships um, so start with that was a big learning curve, but then I started to realize that some of my commercial skills from construction applied to the facilities management type arena so I bought up built up a portfolio of contracts I was responsible for then moved across to another company um, where I was the the senior commercial manager for the initially the facilities management operation and then eventually I got asked to do all the maintenance operation which was some 25 branches across the whole of the UK and then the group um, threw in there off, um, facilities management operation and when I started that it was a a turnover of 5 million um, in in facilities management within six months I was suddenly responsible for some 40 million turnover of of projects and and this was in the mid 80s. So it was um, a big learning curve, a lot of getting to know people, um, putting training programs in place. And, and all of that sort of thing as well as building up the systems and procedures for that uh, operation because none of that existed beforehand. So it was a real learning curve of the industry and in, in terms of growing the business and putting everything in place. So I learnt a lot out of that in terms of how you should position uh, the, these types of contracts. Um, whilst I was there I then got um asked to look at um, some private finance initiative PPP type contracts um, and I cut my teeth in that arena um, on two or three fairly substantial hospital, hospital projects, learning how to negotiate. This was at the very early days of the PFI in the UK, um, so we were all learning as we went along. There was no set model. There was no um, understanding of how this should all be put together, just a framework. So we had to learn how to um, put all of it together and um, see how it was put, worked, and and and, and that sort of thing. So I learnt a lot, but the big thing that it, it taught me was bringing in my construction experience and my facilities management experience, and starting to look at the holistic, whole life cycle of a project. Because with a PFI PPP, you are very much into the whole life of the project, the SPV is um, responsible for the whole life for, for replacing the capital equipment as it um, needs replacing over the 25, 40 year concession. So that needs looking at very, very carefully. So I, a lot of, I learned a lot about looking at the whole life cycle of a project and how facilities management and operations should impact on the design and construction of a project. Um, then in 2008, I started my own uh, consultancy business, looking initially at um, how the public sector contracts worked and advising them how to get the best value out of it, how it would all sit together, and working with the SPVs. So my experience has been multifaceted in the PFI, PPP world. Um, I've looked at it from all sorts of angles. I then um, moved out to the Caribbean and worked on an initial. Uh, PPP project out here, which was very successful. We, as a consultancy, were responsible for the uh, initial negot- initial bidding, then the negotiation, and then I did the setting up of the facilities management operation because that was a, a, a new entity for the for the client that we were working with. Since then, I have based um, my practice in the Caribbean region, but I still operate in the, in the UK and into into America as well, if, if necessary. So I've got a broad spectrum of international experience now, working on a whole host of different types of projects. Since I've been in the um, Caribbean, I've worked on a lot of infrastructure projects around sewage and desalination, um, industrial uh, production plants, um, as well as the, the range of commercial office, schools, police stations and everything else I've worked on in the UK. So I've got a very, very rounded and broad experience and, and, and looking at the end-to-end Um, process of a project, which I believe is a very unique um, skill in terms of what I can bring to to clients. So in terms of the marketplace I'm looking at, um, we're we're dealing predominantly with the built environment, um, which covers uh, residential, commercial, industrial, hospitality, hotels and that sort of thing, retail and infrastructure. Typically, I work with projects from 5 million up to 250 million uh, US dollar type range, but I'll work on smaller ones if necessary or even bigger ones. I don't restrict myself, but that's my core expertise, if you like, is that middle ground of of, of projects. When it comes to projects, it is a known fact that they all have issues and problems. From various surveys that I've recently read. 55% 55% of all projects will have challenges and may also fail. That is a substantial number. Some people say it's as many, as much as 60 or even 80% have challenges and fail. So in, re- in reality, the number of truly successful projects are few and far between. So the, t- the challenges include delay, cost overruns, quality issues, reputational damage, all of that sort of thing. And that's what I'm hoping to uncover and dialogue with over uh, the course of this, this series and also going on f- future in terms of what property done properly is all about to me. So just leading into that, um, this, this show will look at anything f- in, in terms of the built environment. Um, it will look at the design process, feasibility, um, studies, financial modelling, funding, the whole conceptualization of, of, of a project, building information modelling, which is a new technology that's starting to to come into smaller projects now. Um, The whole construction process, facilities management and how how facilities are operated and how this all integrates together in the whole life cycle. I'm going to be looking at solo presentations, doing a few rants on my passions and some interviews um, with key people from from the industry. And I'm, I'm going to be looking at this from an American point of view, UK and European point of view. The Caribbean point of view and how we can mold all of these different styles together to get the best out of our built environment. Just briefly what I mean by whole life cycle. This is a massive topic in its own right and I will be covering this in more detail in future episodes. Um, There are a number of definitions that go with this. Um, Whole life cycle costing does what it says on the tin. It looks at everything in terms of the whole life of a project. Whole life cycle uh, cost analysis is more involved with sustainability in the environment, looking at the energy and the impact on the environment of a project, and then you've got life cycle um, assessments which tend to look at the individual components and how they are put together um, and, and their life cycle costs. Um, looking at whole life cycle management, how you manage that over the life cycle of a, of a building, looking at forward maintenance registers so you've got a, an idea of what's coming up in terms of capital replacement, um, and how you do value engineering, which isn't necessarily building it the cheapest way. It is is it is value engineering the, the construction for the best operational output going forward. Um, and there's something that I am very passionate about in terms of facilities management and design process. Um, Looking at facilities management and how uh, they know how a building is put together and how it operates and what is required. Uh, They understand the occupier's requirements very much so because they're there day to day running with the facilities manager. Um, They know what works and what doesn't work, how to maintain a building, all of that sort of thing. They know the cost to operate a building because they're doing it day in, day out again and therefore in my opinion the facilities manager consultant is the most important member of a design team i know that will challenge a few people but that is my belief because they can bring that operational perspective into the design right at the very beginning and make sure that the facility that ends up being built is one that is really required and really will meet the the, the client's or the operator's requirements so that, that's my view in terms of the facilities manager and how they need to be involved in literally the whole life cycle of a project. Reasons why projects fail. Communication gaps, I think, is one of the biggest. Um, improper planning, and, and we'll be covering that as we go through these different series. Underestimating the project is often a, an issue. Um, cheapest isn't always best. Um, we need to analyse why it's the cheapest, if they've got everything covered off. Um, scope creep, the client not clear on what he wants and therefore, oh, I need this, I need that and all of those sorts of things come in. Delays for a whole host of reasons from the client, uh, constructors um, deficiencies to unknown things like ground conditions or weather to, as I say, the client changing things and delaying the project. Um, surprise conditions in the ground um, and, and other issues, um, unclear specifications clarity and communication are, are important. And then may be financing issues. You know, it hasn't been properly modeled. Uh, the costs haven't been properly established. We run out of money. The banks aren't allowed to extend more, more credit and the project gets into difficulty. There are probably a load of others, but that just gives you a perspective, in my opinion, as to why projects fail. Um, this moves me on to my five pillars of a successful project. And I know various people have got their own versions of this. Um, the concept is is ubiquitous, but these are my own angles on on project success, in my opinion. But they also are underpinned by the, having the right mind, mindset, well-being of the people involved, and all of that sort of thing. And although I won't cover that in this particular in, introduction, I will be looking at uh, mind and well-being as a, as a holistic approach in in future episodes going forward. So in terms of my particular pillars of, of a successful project, they are the, the process, the team themselves, the commercial aspects of the project, the wider community and the design. So just quickly going through some of these aspects um, in terms of definition of governance under the process pillar, um, systems and rules, practices and processes which control the project. Good governance means acting in the project's best interest um, to promote success. Um, We need to have a project board. This is the person or people that are the ultimate controllers of the project. So there needs to be proper oversight through an executive board or or even just an individual that is dedicated on, on smaller projects. Project initiation document, this is a vital document and and needs to probably be done in stages and grows with the project, but this is where um, it clearly outlines the objectives um, and requirements of the project. This is where the client's requirements are clearly stated, and in my opinion, it's the cornerstone of the success of a project. Um, Decision authority escalation protocol, is there a practical escalation process to the right person? Is there an approved baseline for scope, um, delivery method, and um, time scheduling? How is this all put together under the scheduling? Reporting structures: Is there a timely and accurate reporting process? Performance management. I mean, this is very important when it comes to PPP PFI, but it can can apply to construction projects as well. But are there clear KPIs in place? Can we measure what the outputs are, and all of that sort of thing? And are they transparent? Change management. How is this going to be effectively managed? Are we going to have a zero, no no variations rule? Those sorts of things need to be looked at. I mean, there inevitably will be variations and changes in a a construction project because of the sheer nature of it. Um, However, we need to look at this very carefully because of the other impact in terms of the budget creep, um, delays and all sorts of things. Project controls, which by, but partly comes into change management, but do we have proper controls in place and all of that sort of thing? And in quality management, how are we managing the quality? Is there a proper quality management plan? So that's the first um, pillar in terms of process. The next one is around team. This deals with the organisational culture. Is there a strong culture of leadership and mentorship in in particular. How are we bringing on the team? How are we mentoring the younger members of the team? And all of that sort of thing. I'm going to look at key attributes of of leadership. Now, this is obviously subjective because we all have our own views. But for instance, my ones are communication, integrity, empathy, innovation and vision. Very, very important elements for any leadership uh, role. Then we need to look at the capability, the capacity and the competence of the team. Do the project leaders have the right mix of technical business and commercial skills to deliver this project and how is that all going to come about? Organisational design. Does the organisation design meet the needs of the project? Have we got sufficient resource? The strategic plan. Is there a clear plan on how the team functions are going to be undertaken and how it's going to be communicated and reporting? Industrial relations. Does the project have strong relationships with all labour organisations, trade associations, all of that sort of thing? The bigger the project, the more important this becomes. So we need to look at this and work out how this is all going to go. Challenges to consider. The complexities and barriers to a successful project. Do we know those up front? Have we done a risk register so we know what's going on? Um and then we need to, to establish the key um, outcomes and outputs and how that all comes together. So that moves me on to the third pillar, which is commercial. So we start off with the contract strategy. Is there a proper strategy um in place that's reasonable, allows risk transfer to be achieved, and the contract is clear and unambiguous. that is probably the, the biggest issue when it comes to commerciality is how clear the contract is, so there's no dispute on interpretation. Project economics. Is a project optimised for commercial return for all parties? Um, are there robust budgets in place that they can be monitored at all levels? This is at the client level, at the um, uh, contractor level, subcontractor level, how is that all working properly? Um, Is risk management a key element of what's going forward? Have we got a formal risk register? Are the risks fully mapped so we know what is going on and and all of that sort of thing? The forms of contract. I mean, there are many forms of contract, but you've got standard ones out of the UK from JCT, FIDIC, um, the NEC form of contract. You've you've got various standard forms coming out of the associations in America, and I'm sure there's a whole host of other standard forms of contract in various parts of the world. Um, Types of contract, um, is it a lump sum type contract, um, cost plus, guaranteed maximum price, design build, all of those types of different contract. Um, In the commercial aspect, we need to understand what's going on in the marketplace. Do we know what is going on, what is happening, where the pressure points are, where the shortages are, all of that sort of thing. So we've got to have a complete awareness of that and obviously that's going to change over time. Um, Cost control, part of being a successful project is to control those costs at all levels. Now whilst we've got private and confidentiality around certain elements of commerciality at different levels, there also needs to be a degree of openness and transparency as to what's going on with budgets and costs and, and all that sort of thing so we can control them properly. Procurement. Do we know what all the materials, plant and labour requirements are? Um, How we get those, other restrictions, all sorts of issues around the procurement alignment and is it aligned with the contract strategy? And Finance and funding, which is a big topic in its own right, but we need to be aware of the finance and funding that supports the project. um, How it's been put in place, what the structures are, what the requirements are, um, so that we can meet those requirements as we move forward and keep the the funders and and bankers happy, which is the most important bit. So the fourth um, pillar is community. This is where I think we should be looking at uh, mission, vision and values. Um, Does the project have these well defined um, and are they able to sustain the focus all the way through to completion? Um, You may say that these are old hat scenarios, but I still think that they are important in terms of giving a focus to a project. Who is in the community? Um, All the different members and the the number of community, and we'll deal with this when I go into this pillar in more detail, but there is a significant number of parties that are involved in the community of a project. Um, Is there a clear strategy for the management of the community? Um, in terms of the members of the community, in, in broad brush terms, you've obviously got the client and all of their different entities. They're the lead person, etc. cetera. Um, the government may be involved, particularly if it's um, a PPP, private-public partnership type project. Um, so their engagement needs to be properly dealt with. Uh, also, local authorities and regulators. The design team which can be multifaceted. It could be a single entity within a multidisciplinary practice, or it could be a whole series of individual practicing um, specialists. Um, they all need to be considered and the requirements taken on board. Um, the contractor, subcontractors, suppliers. They they will take the brunt of the community, if you like, because they're going to be at the coalface producing this. So we need to make sure they're managed correctly and involved correctly at the most appropriate times. And then we've got the community at large, the the wider public, um, if you like, the the community that's been touched by this project. How are are they being engaged? How are we gauging social acceptance and all of that sort of thing? So there's a lot to be dealt with in terms of the community and, and who's involved. So moving on to the final pillar, which is design, we need to look at the this at the very, very beginning, which is part of the project initiation document, which is scoping the client's requirements properly. Do we fully understand what the client wants? I mean, you question, does the client fully understand what he wants? Which, again, is why I think the facilities manager should be there at the beginning, teasing this out of the client, because he's got to operate the building long term. So we need to make sure the client's requirements are fully understood and, and known. Um, design management how do we manage the design process Um, clearly it's an integrated team we need to look at what platform this is all being done on Um, but do we fully understand the technical and functional requirements that are coming out of the client requirements Um, was this all approved and and established by the design team so they fully understand what this is all about Um, and how is that design team being managed Um, traditionally an architect probably takes the lead on this but on big, bigger projects, I believe that a standalone design team manager should be appointed to coordinate everything so that their respective um, disciplines can be focused on. Technology systems um, and, and processes, both within the design, i.e. using things like building information modelling, um, and also for the actual building. Is this a high-tech building or a simple building? Um, what are we looking at, are we going for a BREEAM or LEED certified sustainable building? Uh, are we looking at energy efficiency? What are we looking at? Which comes out of the client's requirements. But we need to look at the t- technology and, and what's available out there, which is significant these days, and making sure the building comes together. How's the building going to be built? Are we going to use systems, um, system builds, off-site manufacturing, all of that sort of thing? And then you've got the whole life cycle, which, in my opinion, needs to be looked at very carefully. So you're actually designing with the end in mind at the beginning. So you go all the way out to the end, the end result in the operational building. You bring it back to design and then take it forward again and take that whole life cycle approach into the design, into the construction um, to make sure that what turns out at the end is got a sustainable life to it and is going to be operable in a proper way. So that covers off the five pillars so in summary in this in this session um, we've talked about me and the contents of uh, property done properly Um, we set the scene for the marketplace we've looked at key attributes such as um, whole life cycle and the importance of facilities management Uh, we've looked at reasons for project fails we've looked at the five pillars of a successful project which include process team commercial, community, and design, and then underpinned with mindset and well-being. So that comes to the conclusion of the introductory episode. I hope you enjoyed that and you can see where um, I'm going with this. Clearly, there's a lot to discuss. This is a major area of, of, of discussion and, and what have you. So this is only just touched on the key elements, if you like. And as we go forward and build our, our episodes and uh, knowledge together, Um, I hope you'll come on the journey with me and we'll explore a lot of different areas in in different depths um, and would welcome your um, input into what you want covered on on this particular show. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find all my contact details on um, ianjrogers.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the show and I really appreciate your support. I hope you found the episode interesting and managed to take at least one thing away to implement and improve the way you are undertaking or operating your property developments. Please subscribe, follow, share and like the show so I can spread the word further. Take care until next time. You can find me on ianjrogers.com if you want to find out further information about what I do or want to connect with me. And remember, when property is done properly, everybody wins.